0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: I don't know what you think of when you think of Thanksgiving I can tell you what I don't think of. I don't think of tofurkey. Where my people at? Amen, amen. I was walking. This is a great sermon opener, isn't it? I was walking around Whole Foods, and uh, I saw the, the box for tofurkey, and a box of tofurkey. I'm like okay i I really am into healthy eating. I really am and most of you that that know me, you know that I am and uh but but that's taking it a little bit too far, all right that that th- there's a place to stop, all right? It's okay to be a little bit unhealthy, all right? It, just a little bit and uh tofurky. y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like tofu and turkey, right? It's just tofu? Why they call it, why they call it Furky? What, what's the Furky? <laughs> if it's tofu, then what's the Furky? Furky flavor. That's even weirder, okay? That's even weirder, so. I think someone should be arrested. And uh, if you have that on your, on your table tomorrow, you need to be arrested by the turkey police, okay? Because that's just not right. Most people think of Thanksgiving, they think of a dead bird. Somebody clap your hands and say, "That's right, Pastor." <laughs> Isn't that right? Let me tell you just a little bit about. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you a little bit about uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, listen to this story uh, in a book, "The Light and Glory." Peter Marshall, perhaps you've heard of it, and David Manuel tells how the Pilgrims of Plymouth Rock pioneered a new land on Thanksgiving. Three months long at sea aboard the Mayflower, and a brutal winter left them ragged, malnourished, and susceptible to disease. During the first four months of that year, nearly half the immigrants had died. For the pilgrims, it was a daily life or death battle to overcome sickness, exposure to uh, the elements. During the icy winter, they made houses out of mud, and this was their only shelter. Because they were not yet knowledgeable about their new environment, agriculture and planting gardens and hostile conditions were virtually fruitless. Every meal was portioned out meticulously. The death toll rose steadily. At one point, only five men were well enough to care for the sick. Well, despite their tribulations, they Pilgrims thanked the Lord every day, and they asked him for rehabilitation. Well, one morning, during a Sunday morning service, the Lord sent a tangible evidence that, had, uh, that, they, that he had heard their prayers. The church service was interrupted by an unexpected guest. His name was Aunganki. He was an Aunganki Indian chief who assessed their hopeless situation and returned with a helper named Squanto. The pilgrims with, with, uh, lived in continuous fear of being attacked by the Indians, but were astonished by their new friends willing to help them. Well, Squanto, um, who spoke perfect English, taught the pilgrims how to hunt and game, uh, trap beavers, and plant Indian corn, a staple that would eventually save their lives. When the harvest yielded more than the pilgrims could eat, Governor William Bradford declared a day of public Thanksgiving. He invited the chief of the Indian tribe to join on Thanksgiving. The pilgrims were excited to celebrate with their guests, but were completely shocked when they arrived with 90 other Indians and bought with them five dressed deer and 12 fat turkeys. Uh, I'm not going to say a word about that, all right? 12 fat turkeys. Over time, they taught the women how to make pudding and maple syrup and roast uh, popcorn. The plentiful autumn was followed by a treacherous winter. In November, a ship called the Fortune dropped anchor in the harbor. Aboard the ship was 35 more colonists who had no provisions, no food, no extra clothing, no equipment for survival. Also, there was 12-week drought dried up their crops and withered their spirits. The newcomer's arrival had drained what was left of the food rations at their lowest point. The pilgrims were given five kernels of corn apiece daily. In desperation, they fell to their knees and they prayed for eight hours without ceasing. Again, God heard their prayers. Fourteen days of rain followed. A second day of thanksgiving was declared. The Indian chief was again their honored guest. He brought with him 120 braves. The pilgrims feasted on turkey as they had during previous celebrations, only this time one dish was different. The first course, served on an empty plate in front of each person, consisted of five kernels of corn and a gentle reminder of God's faithful provision for them. That's the history of Thanksgiving. I'll wait while you clap your hands. It's all right. I do have a question for you. I got to get this out of the way. Um... I want to know who's my sweet potato pie people. All right, let me see. And who are my pumpkin pie people? I don't know, that little 50-50, let's do it again. Sweet potato pie. All right, that's unfair, all right. That's extra noise. Pumpkin pie? I don't know, I think it's 50-50. I think it's 50 50 okay, who's Black Friday people? That was my daughter, of course, she, she, she probably want to get my credit card, that I'm sure. Christians, listen, I think, and maybe y'all will agree, I think Christians ought to be the most thankful people on earth. I'm waiting for you to clap your hands. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving should permeate the life of the Christian. And when we look through the book of Psalms, we see the spontaneous eruption of praise and thanksgiving. I think of Psalm 92, verse 1. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises to thy name, O Most High. Psalm 106, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Psalm 107, 1. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures. Anybody know? Most of, most of Paul's letter, even a child knows that. Most of Paul's letters... Begin with thanksgiving. Romans 1.8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. First Corinthians 1.4. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. Philippians 1.3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. There are many, many, many verses in the Bible that remind us to be thankful. I am thankful for a blessed family. I'm thankful for a blessed church. I'm thankful that I am healthy. I'm thankful for my strength. I'm thankful that I'm alive. You know, some folks didn't live to see another year. We need to be thankful people. I'm thankful that tomorrow we'll have turkey. Amen. I'm thankful for the provision to have that turkey. That means God has provided. But most of all, I thank God that I'm still walking with him 32 years after coming to know him, and that I know him, that he knows me. And uh, that's a blessing. I'm still walking with God. You know, I think of I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 36. Psalm 36, Psalm 30. And if you don't have a Bible. Just share with your neighbor. Psalm 36. And uh, in Psalm 36, you know, I, I pretty much I think I read this every Thanksgiving because it's a great psalm for Thanksgiving. I love it because it's a Thanksgiving, a psalm of um, responsive reading. If you've been with us, you know the priest would put on his priestly garments and stand before the people, and the people would read the first line, uh, and the priest would read the first line, and the people would respond. Uh, That's how Psalm 36 was written, and initially, um, as the people of God would read it. So I thought tonight, let's do the same thing. Um, Why don't we um, all stand and um with bible in hand and i'm going to read uh, the first stance and then you're going to follow up with um the second which you simply have to say his mercy endures forever amen y'all don't y'all need practice for that psalm 136 what i say psalm 130 y'all know what i meant <laughs> And in the future, just go. No, no, no. One, three, six. Psalm one. Did I say thirty-six? You know what? Maybe that's what God wants us to do. Go back to Psalm thirty-six. No, I'm just kidding. Go to Psalm one thirty-six. Really, Psalm one thirty-six. I'm saying one. I'm saying thirty-six. Are you kidding me? Okay, Psalm one thirty-six. Okay. So the priest would read the first line and then the people would respond. Now, the key here is we do this pretty much every year, and it seems that people kind of peter out about halfway through. <laughs> so we're doing For His Mercy Endures Forever, and people about halfway through it's like, I'm <laughs> I'm Yeah. All right. You can't peter out. All right. You got to read it like like they would read it. All right. So 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 let, let's do this. All right. And if you start petering out, I'm going to encourage you to keep going. We only have uh 26 verses. All right. Psalm 1, 136. Psalm 136. Look at verse one. Uh, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Mercy, he OK, no need to yell. That's that's too much. Just read it. Joyfully. All right. I'm screaming. Oh, give thank, this church. Oh, Lord. Oh, give thanks unto, to the God of gods. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of Lords. To him who alone does great wonders. For his, For, his For his mercy endures forever. To him who by wisdom made the heavens. To him who laid out the earth above the waters. To him who made great lights. The sun to rule by day. The moon and stars to rule by night. To him who struck Egypt in their firstborn. And brought out Israel from among them. With a strong hand and with an outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea in two and made Israel pass through the midst of it but overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea to him who led his people through the wilderness to him who struck down great kings and he slew famous kings. Sihon king of the Amorites Og, king of Bashan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to Israel, his servant, who remembered us in our lowliest state and rescued us from our enemies, who gives food to all flesh, O give thanks to the God of heaven, for his mercy endures forever. See, go ahead and take your seats if you will. Amen. You think God's trying to tell us something? For his mercy endures forever. Psalm 120 through Psalm 34 are known as the songs of ascent. They are also known as pilgrim songs because these songs were sung as the people of Israel. Listen, as the people of Israel would make their ascent up. To Jerusalem. You always talk about Jerusalem as up, never down. I don't care where you are geographically, Jerusalem is always up. So as the people of God would ascend up to Jerusalem during the three major feasts, which would be Pentecost, Passover, and the Feast of Tabernacle, they would um, sing this song of ascent. Uh, Psalm 120 through one, Psalm 134 are the songs of ascent. Um, It's during the Feast of Passover, you know that Passover commemorated Israel's deliverance from Egypt. The Feast of Pentecost commemorates God's provision at harvest time, and the Feast of Tabernacle, or the Feast of Booze, commemorates or remembers the children of Israel's wandering in the wilderness for 40 years as they slept in booze outside um, under the stars for um, seven days straight, actually. And, you know, when I was thinking about that today, I thought to myself, during the Feast of Tabernacles, if you fast forward to John chapter 7, don't do it now, but listen, in John chapter 7, um, the high priest, um, he would take a pitcher of water at the temple, he would take a pitcher of water from the pool of Siloam. And he would walk up the steps of the Temple Mount with this big pitcher of water. And when he reached the top of the steps, he would pour the water out of the jug. And the water would flow down the steps and the people would sing songs. You know, Israel, they love to sing. Israel loved to worship. We don't. But Israel loved to sing. They loved to worship. So when they poured the water At the top of the steps, they're pouring the water out of the jug and the water is running down the steps. If you know your Bible, you know that in John chapter 7, it was Jesus who was standing on those steps, the Bible tells us, on that great day of the feast. And as that water is going down those steps... He yelled out, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink, and I will give him rivers of living water that that will flow from their being. The Bible tells us he was talking about the Holy Spirit. Great chapter to read. Point number one, I want to give you three points uh, tonight regarding three reasons. You got your pen? Let me give you this. Three reasons why we ought to give thanks. Three reasons, real quick, why we ought to give thanks. Number one, we should give thanks for God's goodness. Somebody say amen. Amen. And then number two, we should give thanks for God's grace. Real easy. God's goodness and God's grace. And then thirdly, finally, we'll talk about tonight, we should give thanks for God's guidance. Give thanks for his goodness, give thanks for his grace, and give thanks for his guidance. For his goodness. Somebody say it after me. For his goodness, for his grace, and for his guidance. Point number one, let's talk about it. We're to be thankful for God's goodness. I want you to look back at verse 1 in Psalm 136. Look back at verse 1, Psalm 136. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. That word Lord in the Hebrew is Yahweh. Oh, give thanks to Yahweh. We're to give thanks to Yahweh the Lord for he is good. I want you to raise your hand if God has been good to you this year. And that's, that's pretty much every one of us. That's all of us because goodness, listen, is in the nature of God. Do you understand that God can't be anything but good? Because it is in his nature. Goodness is in his nature. When we use the word good, we mean right, fair. Uh, For example, if you say you did a good job, it's not the same as saying you did a great job. Or you did a fantastic job. Or you did an excellent job. If I tell someone that that was a good meal, it's different if I say it was a fantastic meal. The biblical definition for good is a high standard of moral quality. A biblical definition of good is a high standard of moral quality. In the Bible, goodness equates with God's holiness and God's attribute. We serve a God. I don't know who's excited about that, but we serve a God who can only be good. Because it's in his nature. It's an attribute of God. God is good in his character. In other words, God is good and cannot be anything but good. God is the standard of goodness. Not only is good in his character, but he's good in his conduct. Because God is good, all that he does must also be good. The Bible says we're not good. As a matter of fact, some of y'all are bad. Amen. We're not always good, but our Lord is always good. Everything good in life, family, health, happiness, comes from the Lord. I think of James chapter one, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. No variation means he's always good. There's no shadow with God. In other words, he's not shady, amen. He doesn't have a dark side. He's always good. God is good, not only in his character and in his conduct, but also in his care. The fact that God cares for us is an amazing thing. God cares for us so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for us. Somebody once said that he died that we might live. And I might even submit to you that that's what Thanksgiving really is all about. The fact that... I'll wait while you clap your hands there. The fact that he died that we might live. Man, what more, what more could we be thankful for? We live because of him. He's good and his, in his care. Look at uh, verse 10. Fast forward to verse 10. God is good to Israel, to him who struck Egypt in their firstborn. Now, you know the story. God told Moses to tell Pharaoh to, anybody know? Let my people go. You know that. And Pharaoh refused and God killed the firstborn in Egypt. Everyone who did not have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and the lintel. Most of you know Israel's past, don't you? They were without culture and homeland for almost 2,000 years. People throughout time have tried to kill them. Pharaoh tried to wipe them out. Haman made gallows. Herod tried to butcher the babies. Hitler tried to exterminate them. But God showed them mercy. And he brought them out of bondage of the slavery of Egypt. And he brought them through the wilderness as they wandered in the wilderness. God took care of them. God took care of them. He fed them. Water from a rock. That's a miracle. Their shoes didn't wear out. For 40 years, parents, would it be so? Would to God... Would to God, especially y'all got, especially y'all that have those kids in the, like, the 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, nowadays they stay home longer, age, their feet grow every other day. I mean, have you noticed the kids are like in ninth grade and their feet are like 15? It's ridiculous, they're boats. But would to God that their feet didn't grow, or when they did grow. See, we don't know, think about that miracle. Think about that miracle, all right? You wanna argue with the Bible? Think about that miracle. Their feet either didn't grow out of their shoes, or as their feet grew, which is probably more likely, God allowed the shoe to grow with it. Either way, it's a miracle. You know, people try to, oh, well, I don't know about the miracles of God. I'm not. Well, did they cross the Red Sea? Was it a half an inch of water? I think it was the Reed Sea with a half an inch of water. And they all died. Look, either way you look at it, whether it was 17 feet of water or it was a half an inch of water, either way, the Bible teaches Pharaoh's army died. And if, in fact, they died and they were drowned in a half inch of water, that means it was even a greater miracle. So, so, So stop it. There's my theological point. Stop it. God took care of them and God provided them for them and he brought them into the promised land and God expected his people to be thankful. And listen, God wants us to be thankful as well because he brought us out of whatever bondage we were in and he set us free. Somebody clap your hands and say that's right, Pastor. Look at verse 12. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, he will bring us through as well. Point number two, we should be thankful for God's grace. Look at verse two. He is the God of gods. That word, God, is Elohim. The first word, God, is Yahweh. The second word, or Lord, is Yahweh. The the, the second one in verse two is Elohim, E-L-O-H-I-M, Elohim. Compared to the gods of that day that were cruel and sacrificed their children, our God is a God of grace. He's the God of gods. Verse 3, he is the Lord of lords. And that word, Lord, stay with me, is the Hebrew word, Adonai. Adonai. Did you, did you get that? We have three Hebrew names for God in three verses. Yahweh, Elohim, and Adonai. Yahweh verse 1, Elohim verse 2, Adonai verse 3. We're to give thanks to the God of gods. Listen, it's not just enough enough to give just give thanks. Everybody gives thanks to something. Amen. Some people say, I thank my lucky stars. Some people say, Thank, I I, I thank God. some people say, I thank, thank goodness. You ever hear somebody say, Thank goodness. Who's that? Oh, thank goodness, child, thank goodness. Yes, thank, thank goodness. Knock on wood. Thank goodness. What's, who, who's that? People, everybody thinks something. It's not just enough to give thanks. The Bible says that we are to give thanks to God.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Carry located in apex north carolina join pastor rodney monday through friday at this same time for information regarding service times you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923 that's 1-800-293-0923